Alright, ladies and gentlemen, as far as I know, everything should be up and running. Welcome to the first Secrets of Saturn live stream. I am Jason Lindgren, and with me is always going to be on the live streams Wayne McCroy. Also, a big shout out to the Fringe FM, who will be carrying our first hour and possibly the full two hour playback at some point later. Uh, that has yet to be determined. But anyway, here we are, and good to see everyone. Wayne? Welcome, 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 everybody. Welcome to Secrets of Saturn, the, the renewal. It's good to have Jason back doing this as another regular thing. And uh, I'm honored and thrilled to be here with him. So thank you, Jason. And a big shout out to Joe Roop over at the Fringe FM for carrying this content. Because with the censorship going on on uh, you know certain media platforms, it might be a necessary thing at some point. So, you know, from there. What do you say? Now, what I do have to figure out is if we actually have people in the chat, I need to be able to see that, so I need to pull up a separate window for that. So, Wayne, carry on for one second while I get that loaded up, and we will... Uh, I'm carrying on. Yeah, why don't you give a few moments here on what we're going to talk about. All right, guys, tonight we're going to talk about the MCU and all the social programming and everything that goes along with that, uh, what they've been gearing up for, uh, what it's turned into, how far it's come, and uh, just everything associated with that, because this is one of the big things with Hollywood right now. They're taking all these prop properties that are very popular, uh, such as Star Wars, as we discussed in the uh, the first episode that we launched in this series, and they're just taking them and turning them into total crap. And people are just curious as to why would they do this. So we're here to try to shed a little light on that subject. So tonight we're going to cover the MCU uh, in all of its various movies and forms and that kind of a thing. So we're going to look at that and break down some of the different things that uh, relate to that as it relates to the real world as well. So we'll go from there. Uh, we're just trying to make sure the stream's working properly right now. So if anybody can hear us, we're trying to get the chat room loaded up so we can see on YouTube here under the comments section. So Yes, that's coming up. Um, I don't know how. There we go. Moon, not mono. Yes. It looks like I'm only coming through on one side, which probably means Wayne's coming out the other side. So tell uh, there is an option under OBS to change from stereo to mono. I can't change that now because you have to restart OBS, and that'll just kill this whole thing. So duly noted. Thanks for that information. Keep those coming in, by the way. Uh, this is totally a test run, and I'm sure there are going to be a lot of bugs we're going to need to work out. So all opinions, thoughts, all of that are welcome. All right, so yeah. let's see. Do we actually have people here? We actually have some people here. Hello to Mark Rowe, Joshua Hopkins, Rocky Browse. Got a couple folks here. Cool. I'm just going to leave the C. Graham. Tonight, we are going to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, what Wayne and I want to do a lot of is break down the agendas that have been going on in all these intellectual properties. Now, let's start off by saying there was always some sort of agenda laced into things. It's not that there ever wasn't. It's just super, super kicked into high gear. Uh, about the, what would you say, Wayne, the past 10 years, maybe? And the past oh yeah, few years definitely. Really gotten bad, you know, especially since yeah, I would say yeah, five years. Sorry, I, I would say 
I would say somewhere three the past three to five years, it's really kind of kicked into high gear, like in a big way. So, uh, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, I think that the people who are trying to run these social engineering agendas are are kind of in panic mode right now because there are people, by and large, that are waking up to this stuff left and right. Uh, I know there's a lot of fans out there of these different properties that are all up in arms that they're destroying some of their favorite things, like a lot of their favorite sci-fi TV shows and uh, movies and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, key among these is the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, because... I'll tell you what they they had a hit a home run with uh, the original Iron Man film back in 2008. That was the first one that kicked the whole thing off. Yeah. So uh, absolutely. You know they they hit a home run with that one. That was actually a well put together film. Uh, they took uh, a little known Marvel property, Iron Man. I shouldn't say little known. It's always been well known, but it was never he was really a B character. One of their right. He was one of their B characters. He wasn't like one of the the more popular ones. And they took that and they ran with it and. Uh, they did a great job, I mean, with this, the special effects and everything. They were cutting edge at the time, and they still hold up today. And you're talking it's 11 years later, almost 12 years later. So uh, they, they did a wonderful job with that. And uh, from there, uh, you could see how the next film in the series kind of was not quite as good. So uh, I think they were just toying around with different ideas to try and put different uh, aspects of things out there onto the big screen to see how they played out for them and what was going to be successful and what wasn't. So their next one they they did was The Incredible Hulk, which uh, the uh, special effects and stuff on that one were not anywhere near as realistic looking as the Iron Man film or uh, the story wasn't as compelling. No. It was just a very lackluster film. That one was a lackluster film, as I recall, so... Well, let's, uh, let's back up, though, before we go any further. Let's start with Iron Man. And by the way, I just turned my mic up. Let me know in the stream there how I'm sounding. Um, if I need to go louder, I can. It looks like I'm, I'm hitting pretty hard on the audio thingy here. But whatever. Let me know. I will gladly compensate as needed. Hello, everyone. I see more people coming in. I signed into the stream, so hopefully that is working. Um, again, I'm expecting this to be lots of burps and warts on this first live stream i'm trying to figure out a lot of the uh well how this obs works and everything i finally got all the audio routed as it needed to be yesterday i couldn't get half of it working and it was it was a whole lot of fun but anyway let's back up here we're we're going to talk about uh all the things that have been going on with the marvel cinematic universe from the beginning all the way up to now and of course anybody with half a brain knows that uh they're kind of flushing it down the toilet now after that great (laughs) 10 year run that they had um. So uh, let's be precise. It was an eleven-year run, and numbers are very important when it comes down to all that's this stuff. True. That's right, because it's. I'm looking at it. So the first Iron Man was released on May second, two thousand eight, <laughs> and of course, I, now I don't know what was going on in the background. I never really looked into the casting decisions and all that all that much. But Robert Downey Jr. was absolutely a brilliant casting. But who saw that coming, right? Like, he's a good actor. He's a really good actor. But he had a, a lot right. of trouble in his life. Uh, very acknowledged by him that he had a lot of uh, drug and alcohol issues and all that sort of thing. But anyway, <clears throat> beating a dead horse. I'm sorry, we're beating a dead horse. Um, what we're trying to do here, maybe I should back up and explain, is that... 
folks hold a lot of these intellectual properties very near and dear. And I don't think everybody realizes just how much esoteric agenda is written into a lot of this stuff. So that's what we're talking about. And it's not going to be the exact same thing every week. We thought we'd start with the Marvel Cinematic Universe since uh, a lot of people love these movies. Even I liked them until recently. So that's why we're doing this. So if anybody thinks this is beating a dead horse, sorry. Um, I think pointing out the agenda and the symbolism and all the crazy stuff going on there is actually pretty important. So anyway... Carrying on. Casting Robert Downey Jr., I feel, was brilliant. Uh, he was very masculine, I think you could say. Uh, he had a presence that a lot of lesser actors might not have had. And they had an automatic win with someone like that carrying the Marvel Cinematic Universe for 11 years. Because, of course, anybody who doesn't know, spoiler alert, he died in Endgame. Where you want to take it from there? Yeah, that, I, I think that's a good place to, to begin with all this. Yeah, that is a good place to begin. They, they picked the best actor that they could find for the part of Tony Stark, and uh, he fleshed out the character in ways that it really wasn't fleshed out in the comic books. They they took a little bit of uh, you know liberties with the character, but uh, the way he portrayed him, uh, it worked brilliantly for them. He was a flawed character. Uh, he had some uh, real uh, personality traits that people identified with. Okay, so that was a good thing. They got a likable actor to play the part. It worked out well. They had the the groundbreaking CGI and all the different special effects and everything with it. So they were able to put forth this this good story that kind of set the stage for the rest of what was to come later. And here's the brilliant thing about the MCU. See, they lay a foundation in one film for the up coming films so right. they put little easter eggs in all over the place with everything and they do the same thing with the uh, esoteric encodings within it all too so that that's another thing that people may not have been able to pick up on as much but uh, if you look at just some of the archetypal ideas in uh, even just the iron man film the first one by itself uh, you have this uh, the the character that jeff bridges played obadiah stane mm-hmm. um he was your your quintessential bad guy, I mean, pretty much, when you look at it. So old you school. had your, your ex... Old school, right. It was your, your quintessential story elements there. You have uh, the, the, new, the new blood versus the old blood. And uh, bloodlines are very important to the people who put these esoteric encodings in place. <laughs> and that's... See, that's another thing, because uh, Tony Stark inherited his father's company, and that's another kind of a thing that you kind of see. It all has to do with family bloodlines, and this plays out later on through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You see the same characters, uh, you know, their their bloodlines carry on to play an important part in things later on down the road, and they were very clever in placing these little Easter eggs all around, like uh, when you... You watch later down the line, it unveils the story of Tony Stark's father, Howard Stark, and everything that came about with that and all the things he was involved with. So you could see how the the whole family bloodline thing is an important facet to this because this is, you know, a generational thing. And this is how uh, a lot of things work with these elitist esoteric encodings and stuff as well they they place a lot of value on bloodlines and this just is emblematic of that what would you have to add jason well let's uh 
Let's talk about even his little, um, the arc reactor and the symbolism used there. Why don't we start with that? Because they used a couple different iterations of it, but do you remember what they look like? Um, the one I'm remembering is circular, as I recall. It's kind of like a ring, Ooh. you know, a ring. Yeah, it was a ring, and let me see if I can find a picture of it. and Maybe I can help you out with that a little bit more. Sorry, I'm trying to fix my windows here so that you're always in view. If I, if I click on the Skype thingy, your picture drops, so i got to make sure this is out of... I'm learning a lot very quickly, folks. You have to excuse all the... The bump and grime here. Live streams are definitely different than pre-recorded audio that Jason can have hours to tweak if he wants to. So, let's look at the arc reactor. Yeah, the arc reactor, as I recall, it was mostly a ring shape or, you know... Ah, there it is. You got a picture of it. That looks remarkably like something called a rodent coil. Have you ever heard of a rodent coil? Sounds familiar, but let's uh, let's talk about it. Okay, a rodent coil. This is a guy named Marco Roden developed this thing, and uh, this is supposedly um, some type of uh, an electrical device that, that they use for over-unity devices. So it looks remarkably like a, a rodent coil. That's what that's called. So uh, a lot of people have claimed to be able to... Uh, use these rodent coils to do some fantastic things with electromagnetic frequency. And uh, one of those things, like I said, is rumored to be over-unity type devices, which if people aren't familiar with that, that's basically what that arc reactor represents, is an over-unity device. It creates more electricity than it uses, and it, it puts it back into a feedback loop so that uh, you know it could create... Uh, more energy than what it's utilizing, what it's using from the source. So it produces more. So there's some real science they were looking at when they were developing these ideas uh, within the story. But uh, the ring also has other significances, doesn't it, Jason? Right. Uh, <laughs> well, we can, we can always look at anything that's got rings. Yeah, yeah, and the lords thereof. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so you always got to be so. careful and look at look at anything that's to do uh, that could possibly relate back to Saturn. That's a big, big deal. And as a matter of fact, I haven't torn into that in ages. I really need to go back and uh, kind of bring that from as far back as I can get all the way up. I'm going to see if Crow wants to do a show on that, by the way. And if if not, well, maybe you and I will cover that or something like that. But he'll probably want to, considering how important Saturn symbolism is. Uh, we've been talking a lot lately about how there's two factions, and one of which is the Saturn worshippers with the Talmud and all that. So, yes, it's uh, it's a real thing. I mean, there's there's definitely uh, a ton of symbolism encoded in Saturn, and there's many different symbols that represent Saturn. Uh, a notable one is the ring. Uh, another notable one is the X. The letter X is a representation of Saturn as well, and. Uh, you know, if you look at this ring, this arc reactor on Iron Man's chest, is that a symbol of Saturn on his chest? Saturn also denotes the, the delineation of time. So uh, right. you could see how time comes to be something important that's encoded throughout the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. And in fact, uh, the Endgame movie relies heavily upon time travel as one of its uh, key story elements. So, uh, you know, you could see... There's a lot of Saturnian ideas 
uh, put in place right there from the get-go, just based upon that uh, reactor design that they put in place there. I see some people saying that there's problems with the audio. As far as I know, I think I'm coming out of one channel, Wayne, and you're coming out the other. People can in the chat room can let me know. Uh, next time I do this, I'll switch it to mono only. But uh, I can't do that midstream. Uh, I have to turn OBS off and back on again to get everything changed over. So it's just going to have to be what it is tonight. What religion represents Saturn? Who can you not talk about in any way? Let's go get to the bottom. Oh, that's true. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about who are the Saturn worshippers? Who worships the Talmud? Uh, who likes to say things like Goyim? Yeah, who likes to say those words? I, I wonder. Who likes to wear a little black cube on their head? Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> who gathers every year to uh, walk in circles around a giant black cube? There's a lot of different things that are Saturnian. That uh, It's not just one particular religious structure that uh, that follows this. Right. Uh, there's multiple religious structures. It's It underlies a lot of... Uh, our religious backgrounds in, in just about every religion, honestly, there's those ideas, those core ideas are there. Uh, it all ties back together. But uh, there are those who openly uh, do this. And uh, people could use their imaginations. I mean, who likes to call you a goy? So, you know, <laughs> just go from there. Yeah, I, who knows if uh, we're saying too much already and we'll get our channel pulled right off the bat. But um, Yeah, that's that's not the objective here. We want to be on for more than one episode. So. Yeah, right? <laughs> and I like this channel, yeah. even though it's, it's just kind of small right now. I, I do like it. So uh, let's um, – we don't have to go into a whole lot of negativity. Here's the thing, and it's something I really want to point out. I know a lot of folks do like to say that everyone of that particular religion – is dark and evil in some way, shape, or form. And I honestly, I just, I just don't think that's true. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm dating a Jewish girl who doesn't care that she's Jewish, but she is an Ashkenazi Jew. And I have no problem saying that. I think anybody who knows Rose knows that she's Jewish. My good friend, right. David Weiss is also, uh, <coughs> aware of a small hat. I think as Owen Benjamin would say, but it's not a big deal. We're talking about things on a much higher level and a much more esoteric level. Right. Not everybody that's of that religious bent is necessarily involved in the inner circle things that, that people relate to this stuff. So uh, it's a very small group at the top of it all. And it, it crosses the lines of all religions and races and creeds and everything else. So you can't just point to one ethnic group or religious group and say, oh, it's these people or it's those people, because it's it's really a blend of all different types of people. It's just a matter of there's small family line groups at the top of the power structure that permeate all of it. And all of it has been, you know, corrupted in one way, shape or form. So that's, that's why you can't really go pointing the, the finger at one particular religious group or a uh, group of different people and say, this, this is the group that's the problem. Because honestly, when it comes down to it, the real problem is the person you see in the mirror every day. <laughs> Right. So that's the thing. I mean, it's all of us. We all need to, you know, do a lot of self-examination and rethink the way we do things and how we treat others and, you know, go from there. It's a reflection on yourself. So right. that's, that's where it starts. That's where real change starts is within yourself. So let's let's point out what's going on here. It's that uh, Jewish is a religion 
and then Semitism or Ashkenazi even can be a race. And the one the the look of Jewish folks that most people associate with, like kind of that look that uh, there was a lot of propaganda against during World War II and all that. That's your Ashkenazi Jews. That's your Eastern European with the dark look and the bigger noses and all that. That's as far as I know, not what traditional out of the Bible Jewish people would have, would have looked like. They would have looked rather Arab. If uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Wayne. Right? Uh, yeah, I would think they would look more Middle Eastern per se than you know than necessarily like what the the common stereotypical idea is. So you know, I, it's it's hard. You can't really just point the finger at one particular group of people or religious group. Like I said, it just doesn't doesn't add up because it crosses all the different lines of things. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where you can't really point to just and say this is the problem, that's the problem. It's it's a large overarching agenda and it's controlled by very very few people up at the top of the power structure. And those people go to great great pains to keep their identities under wraps so that you don't know who it is that's really pulling the strings. So that way it makes them makes it easier for them to stay anonymous when people are walking around pointing the finger and saying it's this person, this group of people, that group of people, this religion, that race, that kind of thing. And it plus it keeps us all in fighting. So we don't ever <laughs> come together and, you know, fight the uh, the whole power structure. I just found a setting that says down mix to mono. So everyone in the chat room, you'll have to tell me if that fixed the audio issue because if I was only coming out of one channel, no matter how much I crank that gain, it's still only going to be what it is. So tell me how I'm sounding now, and I may actually have to turn back down in case I'm blasting now from doubling the output there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, all that's t- totally true. Uh, Europeans, e- Eastern Europeans, are they're basically kind of getting into, like, the, the Russian-ish kind of areas and things like that, and that's kind of what they look like to me, you know? Oh, yeah. And that's, uh, you know, another thing going on right now. What's the big propaganda right now? The Russians. Yeah. You know, that's that's the big propaganda enemy that the, uh, you know, the media is pushing at this time. So it makes you wonder, um, you know, are these uh, Hollywood types and media types telling us this is this is the people that you should have derision towards? It, it's really just goes against logic to hate an entire group of people just based upon the actions of a, a, a small, small minority of them. So, you know, everybody's equal and we need to treat each other with uh, human dignity. So, you know, talk to people individually, face-to-face if you can. Um, that's that's the thing that's missing right now is they've used these tools of television and movies and media to dehumanize people. So the human interaction is not there anymore. So it's it's one of those things where it, this is a great tool, okay? The Internet's a wonderful thing, and, you know, it's allowing us to do this right now. But yeah. uh, it's not the same as a face-to-face meeting with somebody or talking to somebody in person. Right. So it, it kind of dehumanizes people in a way. So now people are watching this and or listening to this, and, you know, they don't really know us personally and wouldn't get the same feel for what it would be like to be in the same room with us. But uh, it's a wonderful way to get information across still, although it does have its limitations. And that's basically what the core of what we want to do is try and educate people 
on these esoteric type things that are associated with these popular properties that Hollywood's putting out. Because Hollywood is one of the big purveyors of this big agenda that we always speak about. Oh, yeah. And that's what one of the big things we want to do with doing these live streams are. We want to tear all this apart for everybody. By the way, if anybody can just do me a favor and tell me sound check wise, uh, am I coming out of both speakers now or am I only coming out of one? And what about Wayne's audio? Because we're still playing with all this as we go along. And uh, what I learned today will obviously be put into effect for next week. But anyway, divide and conquer is the biggest well, at least one of the biggest strategies that uh, the bad guys, for lack of a better term, uh, that's what they employ against us. And you see it all the freaking time. It's red versus blue, Democrats versus Republicans. You know, you're going to see this all over. They do the same nonsense in the UK with the Labour and the uh, Tories party and like all that stuff. You know, that this is all they do to people. Men versus women, gay versus straight, white versus black. Guys, don't fall for it. We're all people. I mean, that's it. We're all right. people. And the people that you should be angry about, we don't even know their names. I mean, sure, we can look at people like Rothschilds and things like that. But even they, I really highly suspect, are probably several notches down on the totem pole that we don't see. Right, and I would agree with that assessment, Jason, perfectly. Uh, but to kind of stay on topic with what we were talking about, you could see this whole thing played out in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You have S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA. See, it's the same thing. It's that whole Hegelian dialectic at work there. You, you play the two sides against each other, and sometimes they, they you know, cross paths in different ways. So, uh, you know, you wind up with infiltrators on both sides and people playing both sides of the aisle. This is what they do. It's a control mechanism. It's to steer the conversation one way or another. And uh, the people that are steering it have total control of both sides. And that's what it is, because it's all the same entity. And that was perfectly portrayed in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. When, lo and behold, Captain America finds out in the Winter Soldier movie <laughs> that Hydra infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. and was running S.H.I.E.L.D. the whole time. So uh, there's that? a lot of truths and stuff that they encode in those movies. So this is exactly what's going on. Right. So, all right. So we did Iron Man and we have the set up for uh, the, the rest of the film series up to the end of the current, which was uh, the end of phase three, if I remember correctly. Right. And we move on to the Incredible Hulk. And as we were saying earlier, um, again, kind of an old school character. I, I think the Hulk is probably considered more of an A list character than a B list character like Iron Man was. But with the success of the way they did Iron Man, of course, that made Iron Man an A list character. And I don't know if they even saw that right. coming. And they probably started it that way just right. to not have to put a ton of money into it at first and see, well, what can we do with this? Is, is, are people going to like this? That kind of thing. Right. Absolutely. And then they went ahead. Uh, they did the Hulk movie. That one didn't do as well cinematically or at the box office. So, uh, you know, in fact, uh, they had some, some issues with uh, the actor and stuff. Uh, Playing the the Hulk at the time, he wasn't he didn't sign back on because I guess it was produced so poorly. So uh, they had to get somebody else down the road to play the Hulk character. Right. And I, I think that was Ed Norton that played Ed him Norton initially, wasn't one. it? And From, yeah, there was probably, from right. what I understand, conflicts on both sides. Like it just didn't didn't work. Um, Ed Norton's a really good actor. I didn't like him as Bruce Banner though. I thought Mark Ruffalo was better. No. Yeah, I definitely agree there. Uh, so that that just goes to show how. Like making an error in the casting could really make or break a film. 
So uh, I think that one performed poorly, and really it was a lackluster movie. I don't remember anything really standing out too much about it. I mean, it was all right. It, I think Hulk, the Hulk is was all right. a character to do in a two-hour movie anyway. I would say so, yeah, because it's just a matter of you could only do so much, uh, you know, smash. the monster rampaging. Right. Yeah, the Hulk smash bit. <laughs> so I think that kind of limited them with that, so. Uh, from there, they went back to the Iron Man after that again and did the Iron Man 2 movie. Right. So, which, yeah. which wasn't bad. They, no, it wasn't a bad movie. Uh, the villain in that movie, I think, was kind of lackluster. They got Mickey Rourke to play Whiplash, and I, I don't know. I just It didn't seem to be like you know the, the caliber of a villain that you would think would, would really make the movie work so well. But, uh, you know, once again, the special effects played in there pretty heavily, and they introduced uh, some different ideas uh, for the foundation of the Avengers film that was to come later. So, uh, you know, and even back in the first Iron Man movie, they, they kind of laid the groundwork for that as well. And at the end of the, the Hulk movie, they had uh, Robert Downey Jr. came in and, and did a little cameo at the end uh, talking about the Avengers initiative. So... Uh, they were laying the groundwork for the future things to come with that. So uh, that was, you know, probably one of the better things that they did with the Hulk film moving forward. And then, you know, they went back to Iron Man. They went back to the well again because they did well with the first one. That they knew. So, they knew they had a winner there. Yep. And so they then did, they had a win with that. Too. Yeah, that one did pretty well as well. So they went back with that one next. And... Uh, you know, from there, they they kind of took some liberties with the character with that one as well. So it's it's one of those things where I'm trying to remember. It's been a long time since I watched that one. That's the one they introduced Black Widow in, if I recall. Yeah. So. Uh, to answer a question here um, in the chat room, we're being asked if we are a Christian New Age channel or what. I, no, not even close. Um <laughs> I don't consider myself a Christian. Yeah, I don't you know. do, but that your your religious beliefs yeah, and I'm, my spiritual beliefs uh, are not at the are not 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 the issue here. We're we're actually talking about the agenda that's laced into a lot of these intellectual properties, especially in a big deal now today. And uh, this first one, well, actually, we did an episode of Secrets of Saturn, uh, a pre-record released episode, episode number thirty-four, where we were talking about Star Wars and and Doctor Who and how much they're doing there. Uh, to just totally destroy them compared to what they used to be. And uh, for the first live stream, we thought we'd talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe because for the past 11 years, that's been that's been one of the biggest intellectual properties going. I mean, they just made stupid amounts of money off of it. And for the most part, they did a damn good job with it. Some, obviously, uh, other movies were better than others, but not all of them. Um, but, but overall, it was very, very successful, to say the least. And uh, they're about to flush that down the toilet. I think. I think the. Uh, yeah. It's safe to say. Yeah, I think that is safe to say. Just to kind of clarify, I do consider myself a Christian. Jason has different, you know, spiritual beliefs than I do. Uh, we've been friends for many, many, many years, and uh, you know, we we see things from different perspectives, but we don't ever let that really interfere with anything, and we don't go to those bases for necessarily the things that we talk about uh, because we have other avenues that we explore that we look at 
I like to tell people through the course of my research into these different topics that I accidentally became an expert in occult philosophy. So um, it, it's one of those things I never intended to do so, but uh, from all the reading and studying and everything I've done into these different types of subjects, uh, you really learn a lot of things that uh, underlie different religious beliefs and, and different uh, you know myth mythologies and different backgrounds and things. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of hidden truths uh, that are buried within different texts, stuff like that, little different nuggets. So I, I don't know, you know, if you could consider uh, what we do here. It's, it's not really new agey, I wouldn't say. Um, and it's, it's definitely not necessarily Christian based, but uh, we just like to, we're, we're, we just like to try and find truth where we can. That's that's what it all boils down to. And uh, the things that we see going on, we just call them out for what they are. And what's going on right now, by and large, uh, coming out of Hollywood with a lot of these science fiction and uh, action uh, genres that are, that are very popular properties right now, is nothing but total social engineering to push an agenda. And, uh, you know, it's, we should probably cut to the chase and, you know, get down to you know, the things that are underlying these agendas with this stuff. But we do like to go through and, and review these different things, like in these different films, so that we could point them out to people that may have missed them when watching the films. Because a lot of people just walk around just totally oblivious that this is even right in their face, because a lot of it's flaunted right in your face and you don't even see it. Things as simple as numbers, number encoding that they yeah. put in everything. Oh, yeah. Like... Uh, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's it's ran uh, its course for 11 years. 11 is commonly regarded by a, a lot of occultists and stuff as uh, what Aleister Crowley called the evilest of numbers. Mm -hmm. And it's synonymous with uh, what could be considered spellcasting uh, to a lot of occultists. So they've, they've used this, this property to kind of cast a, a mind control type spell on the public to implant ideas in their heads. So they've used this 11 year window to do this. And you could see, I mean, it's clearly, I think any fan who's, who's watched these movies all along acknowledges that Endgame was pretty much the end of the cin Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah. even though they're continuing to make films. <laughs> so that's an 11 year run. And not ironically, Endgame was actually the 22nd Marvel cinematic universe film and 22 for those who don't know is what is known in uh, the masonic lodges as the master builder number and this stuff is significant and people you know may think that a lot of this sounds like a lot of hooey and nonsense but <laughs> i assure you when you go looking into this stuff these things are very carefully planned it's not coincidence and you could go and look at all these different film franchises and stuff and see these different things so uh this is something important, and they, they do little things like this. It's all encoded. Even look at the film run times. I haven't looked at the, the run times of these films, but even they're encoded with uh, significant numerological things. So even simple stuff like that. Uh, and they use flagrant symbolism in a lot of things, like Jason and I had discussed with the whole Saturn symbolism thing earlier on. Uh, so we're just trying to point these things out to people to kind of see how they're putting this stuff uh, out there in the public consciousness. 
so that people will accept these things as they run down the pike. And there's a more, uh, uh, what could we call it, a more nefarious type of a, an agenda uh, that these things are trying to put forward. Right. What do you add, Jason? Yeah, totally. Uh, before it slips my mind, by the way, someone asked us about the 10th of December and what we're expecting. Last night, Owen Benjamin's main channel got taken out, and uh, it sounds like the Night of the Long Knives on YouTube has already started. So, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. Now, we've heard from some insiders, uh, a friend of a friend, basically, that um, we don't think we're in trouble, but (laughs) you never know for sure. But we've been trying our best, and it sucks to have to self-censor, but, like, for instance, on the Crow Triple Seven channel, we try to keep the hour ones as tame as possible just because it's nice to have the platform. And we reach a lot of people, and you can reach a ton of people on YouTube. Unfortunately, this is the battlefield. So this is where we have to kind of stand our ground for as long as we can. Now, if they just wipe us out of existence, there's nothing we can do about it. I doubt very much Crow will want to start over with another channel. He'll probably just say, screw it. Um, I haven't really done very much on this channel, so hopefully I'm not in the crosshairs, but you never know. But we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, the problem with Owen is uh, I, I love Owen. I actually think he's great. He's, it was great to meet him. Uh, really, really cool dude. The problem that Owen does, though, is he does just say whatever's on his mind. So sometimes he'll say a lot about Jews or pick on uh, LGBTQ stuff and all that. And I have no problem with anything he says. Speak your mind, brother. But it's not surprising when you get the sniper's rifle on your head when you do that kind of thing over and over and over again. Uh, the only thing that does worry me a little bit is he was saying our name. Uh, he was saying Crow Triple Seven Podcast like every freaking live stream. So hopefully that doesn't draw any undesirable attention our way. So as far as what's going to go on on the 10th, um, I strongly suspect it's going to be a rewriting of the algorithms again. I, I have no backup for what I'm about to say, but I strongly suspect what they're doing is they're tying everything together in the background so that they can better control the information. That's... That's what I think it is. It's all about the flow of information, and it's obvious that people like us and others are really doing a damned good job if they're that worried about the content being out that they're doing these things behind the scenes to stop it. And that's my general opinion on it. I don't know if you want to add anything to that point, Wayne. Yeah, I just want to say that uh, I think come the 10th, I don't think it'll be blatant, like it'll be that obvious as to uh, what they're doing. I think, like you said, they're going to switch up the algorithms, and you might see more shadow banning and that kind of thing going on, or, you know, uh, the whole echo chamber effect, whereas the people that are actually seeing your content are, you know, the ones that were specifically looking for it in the first place, so you're not really reaching new people. I think that kind of thing is probably more what it's like. The algorithms will be uh, more customized to steer traffic in a certain direction, and you won't really see what the actual numbers and stuff are. So that's that's one thing that's going on with it. Uh, Another thing I would tell people is, you know, if we're just a bunch of conspiracy nuts or something... What are they so worried about that they got to <laughs> shut us up? Like, if, if if the things we're saying don't have any merit to them, why are you trying so desperately to silence us? Because if it's harmless, and if what we're saying is not true and it's stupid, then what harm is there having it out there? You can find any number of stupid things on YouTube. I mean, just go looking. Uh, it, it's, it's obvious that there's something else afoot with this whole thing. So I, I just don't... Uh, 
don't understand how people could look at at something like this stuff and and say there's nothing to it uh, without ever examining it and to see uh, it should tell you something that uh, this platform that has proven that uh, over and over again that they don't want anybody ste- speaking out against what the accepted uh, you know narrative is will be silenced and that's basically what's going on and I think the the new uh, changing of this these policies and stuff come December 10th uh oh Wayne I just lost your audio can you hear me oh your, your network dropped for a second but you're back on okay carry on okay oh what I was saying uh, I don't know how much of that you caught but uh what I was saying is, uh, basically, uh, I think what they're doing is they're they're putting the, all these different channels and stuff into their own little echo chamber. So uh, what they're doing is trying to shut down any dissenting talk to what the accepted narrative of stuff is. So if they they're successful in doing that, then you know we may not know that we're not be getting views or anything as far as that goes. And that's that's the whole thing with all this social media stuff is you never know actually the number of eyes that are actually on it at any given time. So uh, it just adds more to the mystery of it all. We've been told from behind the scenes that uh, this is in reference to Crow's channel and, and Crow's reach that it's a factor of 10 difference. Adding another zero would probably be more in the ballpark. That's a lot of people. So I can see why that would bother some folks who don't like what we talk about on Crow Triple Seven Radio. And to answer the question in the chat room here, if Crow's channel does get wiped again, uh, like it did in September or October when it was the fall of 2017, we were putting the hour ones on my channel, which I assume we'll go back to. We hadn't discussed it yet. Uh, if that does happen, and hopefully it won't, we certainly don't want it to. But um, we are actually, uh, starting today, actually, I bought a hard drive to start reflecting all of the uh, original videos and things. We're going to make duplicates of everything, and we're, we made a BitChute channel. So there's now a, it's empty right at the moment, but it won't be for long. Uh, all of the, especially the telescope footage we're going to try and save, we want to make sure that all that gets up. That's going to be on uh, Crow 777 BitChute channel. So uh, if anybody wants to see the, the original telescope footage, should the worst happened to the YouTube channel, we're going to have backups for there. So we have a, a lot of work to do ahead of us that uh, Rose has volunteered to do. So uh, to answer that question, yeah, if he gets taken out, uh, unfortunately, um, looks like we'll probably just have to use my channel. If I get taken out, well, then I guess we'll have to reconvene and talk about this. Uh Yet again, why do people keep thinking this is a Christian channel? No, this is not a Christian channel. I don't know where that's coming from. <laughs> Sorry, no, not to be rude, but this is not a Christian channel. I'm not going to go on and on about Jesus, I promise. Uh, we, we don't do the whole religious bent of things here. We just, uh, that, that we leave that in people's individual ball courts, whatever their personal beliefs and stuff are. That's, that's all well and good. Uh, whatever our personal beliefs don't really affect our discussion here. We just look at uh, some of the facts and stuff that underlie things. That's all. So, you know, to put a little more clarity on that question there, there's that. But uh, another thing that the whole YouTube thing on December 10th did is they, they put in a loophole, whereas if they deem your content what they call non-viable commercially, uh, they could dump you. And, and they, they have 
plenty of legal grounds to do so. So that's very subjective language. So they 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 kind of gave themselves an open field for you know whatever discretion they decide for whatever content that they they don't like they could just get rid of. So they're saying. I've heard tell that they're going to dump a lot of the smaller channels that have less than a thousand subscribers, or you know that don't uh, don't have monetization on them. So uh, I have a small YouTube channel myself that's probably going to disappear come the tenth. We'll see. I'm waiting to see what happens with it. That may not be the case because how would you grow new channels and stuff on YouTube if you're know. not going to let anything with less less than a thousand subscribers survive? Like how do you build a new channel then? That it, these are kind of questions that I have. So right. I don't know if a lot of it's just hearsay or if there's something to it. But there is that loophole in there that kind of leaves them, you know, an open interpretation as to what they want to take out. They just take down if they don't find it to be, quote, commercially viable. So uh, there's that. But uh, we have any other questions in the chat there, Jason? Yeah, I somebody's having asked me trouble pulling up the chat for some reason here. Why I'm subscribed to uh, Project Camelot. Uh, I forgot that I was. And I think most of their stuff is silly <laughs> nonsense, but what freaking difference does it make? I look at a lot of stuff. I just kind of uh, keep an eye on things to see if there's anything. I used to like Jordan Maxwell's work a lot till he started talking about space aliens and all that other crap and just mixing in silly stuff with the really good information. Um, I mean, I don't have a problem with anybody unless you're a real douchebag saying things. Like, And there's a couple people I can think of, but I don't normally bash people on the air, and I'm not going to. Project Camelot's fine. If they're into aliens and silly stuff, well, then have fun. That's very coast-to-coasty to me, but whatever. But, hey, I could do a, I could do an Art Bell impression for you yeah. if you like. Go ahead. Do your Art Bell. <laughs> maybe later. Maybe <laughs> Just later. for fun. <laughs> All right. Maybe later. We'll do that. No, but the thing that people have to realize is you have to sort through an awful lot of nonsense to find good information. And even though some of these channels and and different outlets may seem like they're a lot of nonsense they do put out a kernel of truth in a lot of their their work that they do so you know there's nothing wrong with sorting through this stuff how are you going to know what something's about if you don't ever view it and see what's there so uh, you know project camelot for what people say uh, they put a lot of good interviews and stuff out there They've talked to a lot of different people, and you could find kernels of truth in, in the things that they're saying. And, you know, if that's your bag, I mean, nothing wrong with that. Right. It doesn't hurt. Listen to what people have to say. Listen to what everybody has to say and make a judgment call on it. it it's all about discernment, really. So nothing wrong with listening to what they have to say because you might find some kind of a kernel of truth in there that you find useful. Or, you know, it may be all nonsense, but that that's part of our souls any of this stuff that we look at. Okay, uh, my friend Sue just said something about David Wilcock. Uh, that's one I will call out. He is full of poop. <laughs> Plain and simple. He is a fraud and a charlatan, and I have no problem saying that. So there you go. There's my opinions on somebody. <laughs> Wayne, I'm pretty sure you have the same mind. Uh, well, yeah, I question people. anybody that, that talks Yeah, that talks very seriously about blue chicken people. Uh, that... That kind of raises some red flags in my mind. You think? But uh, anyway, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know, I've never met the guy. I, I, I don't him, know I'm, what I'm cool he's with all about, rude but me. <laughs> but he seems like the type from what I've seen that's just kind of pushing a, a lot of nonsense with 
uh, like I said, a couple kernels of truth that he puts out there. But uh, from what I the whole blue chicken people you, thing just floors me. So <laughs> I think he takes other people's work, or not to saying that he hasn't studied himself. I mean, he obviously has, but I think he takes a lot of other people's work and then just puts his own spin on it, and then combines things and then adds in a huge smattering of BS, like blue chicken people. And yeah, that's that's just it. Yeah, Wilcock did. Uh, I don't know if he still does, but he did claim to be the reincarnation of Edgar Casey. It's like, yeah, why don't you pick one of the greatest figures in the past, <laughs> who obviously has been dead for decades? You couldn't prove that if you wanted to, if your life depended on it. So, <laughs> yeah, great way to just. Uh, that's how, that, that's how I knew he was BS right from the beginning years ago, and I heard him on Coast to Coast. Even it's totally a money thing. It's like, oh, I can I can write off the coattails of somebody who already has a huge name and is long dead. So. Yeah, that's that's my opinion of uh, David Wilcock. He might be a nice guy, but man, I know you're in it for the money, dude. I know you don't want to get a real job. Not that I blame you, but I think you bullshit people, right? Yeah, Cheers. well, that's the thing. We're not really here to be uh, necessarily bad mouthing people on here. That's not what we're about. But uh, he, he is one of the few exceptions where you know he's he's been a proven charlatan. So what do you do? You know, uh, someone's asking about a video called "The Golden Web." I'm not familiar with that; have not seen it. How about you, Mr. McCroy? Uh, no, I haven't heard of that one. The Golden Web. Yeah, I'm not familiar, not familiar with it. I, I don't think we could uh, answer anything about that. I might have to look into it. Greer, I, I have strong suspicions about him as well, but I can't prove them. But uh, he's allowed to play on the. Uh, on the big boy fields, which is what makes me raise an eyebrow, and he's really big on the aliens thing, which also makes me highly suspicious. But you know, it's hard to say with a lot of these people. For all I know, you've just shaken the tree long enough that you've got enough attention that people back you. I mean, Crows had the uh, the you're a show nonsense thrown at him. It's like, cool, where's the checks? Because I'd like to buy some more guitars. Yeah, really, it's <laughs> one of those things. But uh, uh, Greer. He's he's got a lot of uh, friends that are rollers and shakers in you know the political scene and the intelligence agencies and all stuff. So you know you, you could kind of draw some conclusions from that. They're allowing him to do the things he's doing. So yeah, you know maybe it is one of those things that, where it was a grassroots thing where he finally got enough attention that they decided okay let's let him let's let him do this thing. And we'll we'll back him financially and stuff like that because uh, his whole uh, his whole uh, disclosure project, the the initial uh, funding like from one of the Rockefellers, if I remember correctly. So no, that doesn't surprise If he's got Rockefeller backing, if he's got Rockefeller backing, I mean, then that's the approval of the power structure behind it. So whatever he's saying is not anything that's going to be earth shattering or provable. So right. that's one of those things, even though he's had he's had all these witnesses and stuff come before Congress. And I legitimately believe a lot of these people really legit believe what they're telling people. Maybe they've seen these top secret documents or whatever. But a lot of that stuff is just put out there by the intelligence agencies to keep people off a of track of their real projects. And this is actually admitted. I found a CIA document that talks about this. I can't remember the name of it. I'll have to dig it up one of these days. I'll send you a copy of that, Jason. You can see where it talks about uh, how they put out what they call honeypots. Mm. And that's what this is. They put out these these fake classified documents or whatever to see if their assets will actually leak this stuff to the public. And that way they can tell 
who's going to betray the the trust of the intelligence agencies and not. But that's that's the, what this is called. This is called a honeypot when you get some of these documents and stuff. So yeah. perhaps some of these people have seen these and uh, they really believe them to be true. But this is a, a known thing. It's a documented thing that the intelligence agencies do. So there's all that. Someone's bringing up David Icke now. He seems like a really nice fellow to me. I've never spoken to him personally, although I'm hoping that's going to change soon because of a connection we have with our friend Billy Ray. Uh, you and I both did a uh, – was it like about 15 minutes each on Billy Ray's new show on – is it called Iconic? Is that what that network is called? Yeah, it's the the network's called Iconic, and basically how it's been described is it's it's kind of like a Netflix for conspiracy theorists, and uh, it looks like it's something David Icke is kind of backing out of his own personal money and try to go up there as like an alternative for YouTube and stuff right. because he sees the censorship and stuff coming. And you're talking about a guy that's kind of been ridiculed for the past three decades for the things that he's said. Right. And a lot of what he said has been proven to be true now uh, many years later. So I have mixed feelings about some of the stuff that he says and, oh, sure. and doesn't say, but he does he does put a lot of good information out there. And that's another one of those things where people have to use their discernment. Uh, I don't get the impression that he's out to bilk people out of their money or anything no, like I that, don't think so. because he doesn't live he doesn't live like a luxurious lifestyle. No, he doesn't. So no, I've, it, seen, I've seen what his just place a regular is like guy. Everything. Yeah, he seems like I said I I'm I've got a pretty good bullshit detector and he just feels like a nice guy, you know, and like he's just trying to do what he feels is right. And he, I think he's had some very interesting experiences, but and I can relate. I've had a lot of very interesting experiences. Um, Right. Do I think he's 100% with everything he says? No, but yeah. Yeah. Do I think he's 100% with everything? No, but I think his intentions are good. Right. I think his intentions are good, and, you know, he's just out there doing his thing, and he's actually gotten enough notoriety attention from it now uh, that it seems he's trying to do something good with uh, the, the, the legacy that he's built. So he's trying to help other researchers and stuff get the platform that they need in order to put this stuff out there. So that's that's what he's doing and it's a platform called Iconic. Right. Um not to you know, not I I'm, I have mixed feelings about it cuz uh you know, it's one of those things where I'm not sure what direction it's going to go and from what I see it looks kind of pricey. So I think that's going to deter a lot of people from signing up for it because it is a paid service. It's similar to like a Netflix, like I said, for conspiracy theorists or alternative type research. So there's similar services out there already, like similar channels like Gaia TV and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, this is this seems to be a, more money than than something like that that he's Gaia, asking for man. for the membership fees. They crack me up. They want good material, and we've had multiple people go to them and tell them to get our film on there, and they just keep ignoring us. They're like, yeah, we'll get back to you. It's like, we have a pretty good film. <laughs> you might want to make a deal with us. It's not like we're asking gazillions yeah. of dollars. Man, these people crack me up. You want you want the best content. We've got some of the best content, and, and we're just not. Man, stop dropping the ball, folks. When you've got you've got the best, you know, and not to be rude, but I could say the same thing about TFR. You've got freaking Crow Triple Seven on your network with original content every week, and you don't really seem to care very much. I mean, come on, man, got to go where uh, the gravy is, as uh, Big Bear would say. Yeah, well, that's 
just another thing. I mean, you know, you look at these different business models and stuff like that. You got to wonder what kind of, what kind of, uh, you know, role do, does it all really play? You know, I'm I'm just trying to think out loud here, but it's not working out for me very well at the That's moment. Right. I'm just trying to say, basically, uh, these different platforms and stuff are out there, but they have their own motivations and stuff behind them, the people that own them. So yeah, I think they just it's just a matter of they're going to... Right, they're gonna they're gonna push the stuff that they want, and you know the material that people are asking for. If it doesn't really fall into the categorization of what they want from their platform, they're not gonna push it as hard. And that's just those things. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of good content creators and stuff out there, and a lot of them don't have a platform to go to or a place for their voice to be heard. So that's why there's there's more things like this that are necessary. Uh, it looks like we're coming up to the. the the hour here, Jason. So yeah, we're getting close. I don't know if we want to. So yeah, let's uh, let's say a, a very soon to be goodbye to the Fringe FM. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be having our full two hours carried on there, but I do know that they're going to be showing, or excuse me, they're going to be streaming our first hour no matter what every week. Uh, hello to our friend Joe Roop. We think you're awesome, of course, and um, we got some other things to talk about and work out with this and. Uh, We'll at least get a new hour of content on, on the Fringe FM every week, and if we can get the full two hours, that'd be great. Right, and I would just like to add, I would thank like to thank the people for being very patient with us on this our first test run of this thing really going live here. Uh, we've had a couple of hiccups and stuff so far, so I'm hoping to get all the bugs and stuff ironed out here. And we're able to produce a, a higher quality product here and, you know, at the end of it all. Uh, give us just give us a couple of weeks to work through the bugs and and figure this all out and get into our rhythm and uh, I think you'll be happy with the content so uh, we do like to discuss nerdy kind of things on here like you know Marvel Cinematic Universe and Star Wars and stuff like that and some people may take exception to that and think oh why are they beating this dead horse but we're just doing it because there's certain things uh, within that content that need to be pointed out to people so that they know this is nothing more than a social programming tool. And you could pick your flavor of whatever it is that you like. Do you like Star Wars? Do you like MCU? Do you like Doctor Who? What's your preference? You know, there's, there's programming all within that for everybody. There's enough there for everyone. So we're just trying to point out a couple of glaringly obvious things to those of us that have looked at these things for a long time. Right. And, and here's the important thing to remember, folks. A lot of these things touch on childhood memories and feelings and all that. And don't think that the controllers don't know that. I mean, things like Star Wars came out in 1977. The original Doctor Who, that started in 1963. Uh, Star Trek, 1966. So you're talking about things that have been around a long time and mean, mean something to a lot of people. Marvel Comics, they've been around for decades and decades and decades. And they just happen to be recently doing a good job of making movies out of them. And kind of sort of living up to what the comic books were. But the thing we're doing here, and the reason why I thought we should do this, is because there's a, several nerd channels that I watch and I've turned Wayne on to. And some of those folks are starting to get it. And now these are people that are like, are really are like super nerds. They're into just about everything, sci-fi and, and comics and games, which I'm not. And I don't think Wayne is either anymore. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely more into esoteric studies and things like that. But I still, of course, know that these things mean a lot to a lot of people, and I still like a little bit of entertainment here and there. It's nice to uh, 
distract yourself, you know, chill. I, I usually only watch stuff when I'm having dinner or something just because I don't have time to do it any otherwise. Uh, as folks probably know, on Crow Triple Seven, we do a lot to produce a very high quality product, and that eats up a lot of time. So that's what I'm doing a lot of the times. But yeah, I like to chill, and I just, I can't, I can't watch most of this stuff anymore. It's atrocious. And we want to point out to other people who might still not quite see what's going on is that they're using these things as social engineering weapons in a massive, massive way. So, like I said, these nerd channels, uh, there's a couple channels that I definitely watch to see how much they're getting it. And the two biggest ones, I'd say, are uh, Nerdrotic and uh, Geeks and Gamers, but they have like a, a, like a conglomerate. There's one main guy. And then they have others that contribute, but they're getting it. And as a matter of fact, these people, there's like a loose group of people and they call themselves the Phantom Menace, which I think is hysterical. Uh, it's obviously a takeoff of the name, the Phantom Menace, which is the first, uh, episode one of Star Wars. I think that's great. And they definitely feel that they pushed hard enough with, with uh, fighting back against Lucasfilm and all that, that they got some attention. And as a matter of fact, JJ Abrams, who they always call Jar Jar Abrams, which I think is hysterical. Uh, they got his attention enough that he mentioned them in, a, I think it was an Esquire interview or something like that. So, good grief, if you're shaking the stick enough at them that they're even mentioning you like big top directors who I don't think deserve to be what he is. J.J. Abrams has not impressed me. But uh, I think that's a big deal. I think I think that's something that, uh, that they, they've accomplished. And we want to take what they're doing and take it to the next level and say, okay, you guys do see the social engineering in this. You know, why is there all this insane feminist crap being pushed in there that doesn't belong and all that? Well, we're going to tell you more than that. We're going to tell you why. We're going to break this down for you. And that's that's why we're uh, why we're doing what we're doing. By the way, we have 102 people watching now. That's impressive. Hello to everyone in the chat room. I had no idea if there was going to be like three people there, one of which is my girlfriend. So I had no idea. Yeah, I was hoping we'd have a pretty good turnout. I wasn't expecting a lot with this first run of things, and we have had a couple of hiccups and stuff coming through here. But uh, uh, thank you, everyone, for hanging on and bearing with us through this. Uh, the important thing is the, the stuff we're discussing, which has to do with social engineering and social programming and stuff like that, which is what these properties are being hijacked and used for. Uh, a lot of people will acknowledge, okay, all of these things that we like, like Star Wars, all of a sudden it sucks. Well, <laughs> why does it suck? That's right. what we're here to discuss. What, what's going on? It seems like they've taken uh, the fan base and just thrown them in the crapper and said, screw you guys, we're going to make what we want. We want uh, you know, this, this lead female character with no personality to be the hero. And uh, we're going to give shout-outs to the LGBTQ crowd, and we're going to give shout-outs to... Uh, you know, the hyper-feminists and, and all of this stuff. So this, this is what's going on. People have noticed this because there's really no need for it. Why are they taking these intellectual properties that people have loved for generations now and just throwing them down the crapper for the sake of, uh, you know, pushing what's a popular Hollywood mainstream type of a social narrative? And it's not one that reflects the reality that we live in. That's the thing. They take a very, very small percentage of the population and give them all the social media focus and all the focus in these, this entertainment. And the fans of these properties, they're not having it, and they're speaking out. And it's a good thing that these channels like Nerdrotic and all have spoken up enough and got the attention of these producers that are making these things, like J.J. Abrams. It, it's, it says something. It says that... Uh, 
people are are beginning to stand up in large numbers and call them out on this stuff. People are recognizing a spade for a spade, and that's a good thing. But we're here to point out why are they doing it. Right. That's the thing. People are recognizing this is going on, and they're getting up in arms about it, but they don't really understand the reasoning why. Like the why behind it, because it would stand to reason, if you're thinking logically, what would be the goal, the number one goal of a film or a, a film series well, to make product. money, right? It's a product, it's so a you're going to make so, money. So if you're going to make a product, wouldn't you want it to appeal to the most amount of people to make the most amount of money? This makes sense to me, but uh, no, they don't give a hoot anymore. Now, maybe the thought originally was, hey, we could push our bullshit agendas into Star Wars and all the ding-dong Star Wars fans are going to buy it anyway. And they did it first. They did. The Force Awakens made stupid amounts of money, even though I walked out of there going, wow, this is freaking boring. I just watched episode four with better special effects. Basically. Uh, I also yeah. thought the character of Rey was stupid and boring. I thought Finn was underwhelming. Forgettable. 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 They made it. They made kind of made a mockery out of him, which is uh, kind of surprised they did that to a black guy, but uh, he was a bit of a joke. Uh, and then the other character, Poe, was probably the only one that was kind of likable, but he wasn't really in it that much. Uh, he was just super pilot. Uh, that was his personality. I am super pilot. Cool. Okay. But then, well, I'm gonna, I forgot, Rogue One came in between, if I remember correctly, and that one was pretty good. It wasn't like the greatest Star Wars movie ever, but it was cool. It told an in-between story to kind of fill in the blanks. That one was fine, and it even had a female lead, but without her being annoying as hell. She was just, you know, she was flawed. She was realistic. This is the problem with a lot of these female characters now. It's not that anybody gives a crap. Nobody cares if a female is in the lead. Nobody cares. It's... What are you doing with them? It didn't even occur to me decades ago when I saw Aliens or Terminate, the original Terminators and all that, that there were females instead of males as the leads. It didn't even cross my mind because they were written realistically. In these unrealistic scenarios, if you have realistic characters, it doesn't matter if they're black, white, tall, short, fat, thin, black, white, whatever, you know, male, female. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What does matter is that the characters are written well and they're realistic enough that you, as the audience, can relate to them. And that's what we don't have with little Miss Ray, who can just do anything. Right, and it's not only that. It's not just the Star Wars. We we go to the Star Wars a lot because that that seems to be the one where it was very blatant on the face of it. But uh, back to the, the topic at hand, the MCU, you could look and see a lot of these same narratives written to the MCU properties now, too. And um, one of them that stands out to me that I noticed, I haven't really talked much about, is the movie Black Panther. Mm. Uh, when you look at Black Panther, it's got all this critical acclaim and everything else, and it, it's gotten all these awards and box office recognition and this and that and the other thing. And I found the movie to be kind of lackluster and ho-hum. But because the the hero in the movie the the main protagonist was a black man they pushed this social narrative a lot massive virtue right it's the whole virtue secret and that's not to take anything away from him he's a great actor he did a great job portraying the part and stuff like that but i found the the movie itself to be really the story was kind of lackluster and underwhelming like the way that i had heard it you know it mentioned in the critical acclaim and stuff like that and all the awards and everything I, it won, I thought it was going to be one of the better Marvel movies that I've seen, but it really 
it it paled in comparison to a lot of the other ones, in my personal opinion. Uh, I yeah. think that you know a lot of that was just done because it was once again this this flagging the whole racial divide issue, and that's a lot of what they do with this stuff. And the same thing could be said with the Captain Marvel movie. Now I know you have a lot to say about this one, Jason. <laughs> Jason. Yeah, a little uh, bit. Yeah, just yeah. A few. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, yeah, because this one, um, first of all, the actress that they picked for the part. Yikes. What could you say? Uh, yeah, yikes. Brie Larson. <laughs> what do you have to say what about Brie Larson? an awful person. I mean, I'm not one to normally slam people, but good grief. She seems like an awful human being. Just self-centered beyond all belief, thinks she's the bee's knees and all that. Good grief. And I, the, the people writing these movies didn't help because, like, Captain Marvel is the most powerful ever. But, you know, and that movie also was lackluster. Uh, the only reason it did so well is because it was sandwiched in between Avengers and, uh, what do you call it, Infinity Wars and Endgame. Yeah. That's the right. only reason. Do you think that one wouldn't have done anywhere near as well if it wasn't? I doubt it. Uh, like, the two Ant-Man movies were actually far more interesting and entertaining than Captain Marvel was. But uh, she's she's just unlikable. Even on screen, she's a very wooden, blasé actress. Like, like... The, She's not on the caliber of some of the other people that they've had in these movies. Like Scarlett Johansson is a really good actress, very good right. actress. And once once again, this is the perfect archetypal example of the female lead with first of all no personality, second of all unlikable, third of all able to do everything right out of the gate, unstoppable, all powerful, uh, you know, can't lose, girl power all the way. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. All all the boys, you know, take a, a back seat to her because you know she's she's the woman, and you know she's all powerful and she can do all of this stuff, and has absolutely no personality to her. So, and I don't know if I could say no personality. She just comes off as unlikable, uh, more so than like say the the no personality thing of uh, Ray from Star Wars. Uh, the Captain Marvel character does have somewhat of a personality, but she's like cocky and arrogant and snotty yeah. and just comes off and leaves a bad taste in your mouth. It's not what you would expect from the the hero in the story. It, it really isn't. And, you know, she wasn't much better in uh, Endgame. Like, I was glad they gave her very little screen time in Endgame. Well, there so were rumors about that, it's, too. It's though. just one of those things. Yeah, the, and I think we need to discuss that too. Yeah, yeah, no, there was a lot of backlash from what I understand. And this is this is why I watch these nerd channels because I wouldn't know this crap any otherwise. I don't go hunting down the news articles like they do. Uh, it, <laughs> it blows my mind. Like they they push this super feminist type character out there, and then big surprise that a lot of people who are your average superhero fan thought she was kind of a bitch and didn't like her very much. And uh, they pretty much made a big big deal about, hey, don't ruin Endgame with this horrible character. This this is the end of the Avengers. She's not an Avenger. You know, we want to see the last hurrah of Iron Man and Hulk and Thor. Um, who am I forgetting? Captain America. Like all the main characters, Black Widow, um, Hawkeye, uh, Doctor Strange. That's who everybody wanted to see, and thank goodness Captain Marvel was kept to a minimum in that. Uh, she was pretty much unimportant, relegated to unimportance. 
Right, and I had heard rumors that uh, they had done last-minute rewrites to make that so, because uh, from what I understand, the original script they had had her playing a lot bigger role in that movie. So I'm kind of glad. This is another example of where the fan base, uh, the the nerdorotic-type channels, uh, have come out and spoken out against this stuff. And I think they're actually starting to listen a little bit. Uh, they're, They're worried about totally losing uh, the platform uh, for the social programming idea. So they're kind of scaling it back a little bit. They're still putting stuff out there, don't get me wrong, but they're scaling it back. Like they, they went too far, too strong with a lot of this stuff. And I think the two examples of Captain Marvel and Ray from Star Wars are kind of the ones that stand out the most. So they're kind of, looks like they're, they're easing back with that kind of a push on things and being a little more subtle with it now. So, uh, coming out uh, next year is the Black Widow movie. Have you seen the trailer for that yet? I saw that it came out, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, uh, looking at the trailer of it, uh, it's really hard to determine anything, really, because they they just put together clips from uh, a lot of the older movies uh, showing Scarlett Johansson, and uh, they they introduced the idea of a couple uh, new characters to the MCU, uh, one of them being Taskmaster is the villain, who looks nothing like the comic book version, by the way. But uh, and also, uh, I think he's called Red Guardian, which is a take on the old uh, Omega Red thing in the comic books. Mm-hmm. So uh, they they introduced those characters. I don't know what kind of role they're going to play in that, but um, I don't know. I'm concerned about it. I'm I'm waiting to see what happens with it. I'm waiting to see if they actually make it. Uh, a good, decent Marvel movie, or if they they go full blown ultra feminist with it again, like well, they tried to do with Captain Marvel. They better not, because uh, most of the uh, Phase Four movies don't look that interesting. Maybe the Doctor Strange one, but like when I saw the list, uh, the one thing I definitely noticed was no Captain Marvel Part Two, no sequel. Hmm. I thought she was the most important character in the Marvel universe. So here's the big thing we got to talk about. Um, where is the dividing line between pushing agenda and making money? Now, we happen to know that as far as the higher-ups go, as far as you can get up there, money doesn't really matter. Like, it, it doesn't matter. It's They've got resources beyond all belief, and certainly the uh, fiat currency crap doesn't mean anything to them. Now, that being said, I still wonder if there's enough real-world ties that, uh, for instance, Disney as an example, don't they have to answer to shareholders? And I've, I've brought this up to a couple people, and I've never really had an adequate answer, but do they still have to make money with these things? And the great example is Solo, the Solo Star Wars movie, tanked because of the crap that The Last Jedi was. They actually boycotted it. People boycotted Solo, and from what I understand, it lost once all was accounted for, tens of millions of dollars. Now, how do you lose money on a solo uh, on a Star Wars movie? And as we said earlier, what are these movies? They're, these films are, are are product, and you want to be able to sell them, and make money. So I do gotta wonder if there's a board of directors somewhere sitting around being really pissed off when they say we spent five hundred million dollars on this film and you lost eighty five million. That can't go over very well because don't they have to answer to anybody? And the the honest answer is I don't know. I want to know more about this. This makes sense to me. And this is, again, why I watch these nerd channels because I'm trying to see how far can they push this envelope and how much can they do before if all these 
movies lose money, but they're still pumping hundreds of millions of dollars into each one. How long can this go on for? I mean, are these mega corporations so detached now that it doesn't matter? They'll be taken care of no matter what happens. Or is there still enough real world ties where people got to get paid and, and the books got to at least somewhat be clean and match and, and add up? You know, you can't be completely in the red. That's what I want to know. So and that's what we're doing here. We're trying to trying to figure out what's really going on. And again, this is what these nerd channels talk about, too, is how can they lose this much money and still keep doing this? Uh, Terminator, what was it called? Dark Fate, t totally lost money completely tanked uh that the charlie's angels reboot that nobody wanted that was super feminist pushed tanked horribly all these movies cost hundreds of millions of dollars to make they lost hundreds of millions of dollars on those two flicks so i really would like to have more answers on this stuff and it's just something we're going to keep figuring out as we go along now um the thing that the nerd channels don't really understand is at least i don't think they do is why is this happening? They're just banging their heads going, why are you screwing up our, our cool shit? And it's because there's a real agenda going on. It's not just that a bunch of Looney Tune feminists are in control of Hollywood. They are. There's a lot of craziness, but that's California in general in a lot of places, unfortunately. But it's being allowed to happen because there's a higher purpose going on. And Right, and that's... That's where we come in. That's where we come in. That's what we're doing. There's symbolism laced, and you can look decades ago, and you will see symbolism in films. I mean, freaking hell, the uh, the Simpsons have been putting that crap in there almost since day one, uh, for whatever reason. And man, we just we just want people to understand. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna watch something, or you're gonna listen to something. You just need to to have some info in your sipping cup. And if you want to enjoy something, go ahead, but just really realize what's going on there. Now, I'm to the point, I've been doing this so long, that I can detach. I can watch Spider-Man and be like, okay, cool, Spider-Man swinging around, yay. I'm not going to be drawn into the what they're pushing. And when I do see it, I usually just roll my eyes. And they even did it in Spider-Man. They changed MJ, the Spider-Man's mm -hmm. significant other, going to be significant other in the movies. In the comic books, she was a bombshell redhead. And not to be rude, now she's a funny-looking, squawky little brown girl. And it's like, that's not MJ. The personality's completely wrong. The look is completely wrong. Not that I care what people look like, but when you're talking about doing these comic books, can you at least be authentic to the comic books? That's where your source material is coming from. Honor your source material. That's all. If you want them to have a black girlfriend, create a black girlfriend. MJ is a redhead. That's it. That's all. That's all. Okay? So her name should be Sarah or something, not MJ, because that's not MJ. But anyway, whatever. I mean, it's these things don't mean that much to me now. But it's like, like I could see why the nerds get all bent out of shape because, like, you're not honoring the source material. That's not what Mary Jane Parker looked like. There's a reason for that. <laughs> right, and once again, it all falls back to the agenda behind it. And uh, what people need to realize is, for the people at the top of the power structure uh, behind the scenes, it's not about the money. They they don't care about the money, like you said. They have resources beyond uh, what we could even imagine, and this this brings into question things such as uh, what's called a breakaway civilization. And uh, there's there's some real evidence to back that. Now we're getting that's some heavy on. stuff, right? Yeah. So uh, a breakaway civilization. That's that's what uh, is putting forward this agenda. They don't care about money. They have control over all the wealth of the world already. 
So it's just moving around worthless fiat paper to them. They they don't care about that. Now, there are boards of directors and stuff that do care about money. And sometimes it's very hard to draw where the line in the sand is with this stuff. But the people that are actually pushing this and are the minds uh, behind a lot of this stuff, that's not their main concern. They're not concerned about the money aspect of it. What they're looking to do is they're looking to control the public and program the public's minds to accept things that uh, they just a few decades ago wouldn't even think of as being normal. And this is done gradually over the course of time. They, they put out different ideas in the entertainment uh, in a lot of ways first to get people to acclimate their minds with accepting these ideas. And one of the ways that they do this is, as Jason alluded to earlier, that they've been doing in The Simpsons for a long time now since the inception of it, is what is called in conspiracy circles predictive programming. Now, uh, when you get uh, to the more esoteric side of things, uh, where these secret societies and stuff that are at the top of the, the power structure um, that are pointing these things out there, what they call it is they call it revelation of the method. And uh, this is what they're doing. They're, they're putting these ideas out into the public consciousness for people to see and their unconscious mind to pick up on because the unconscious mind will recognize some of these things. These are what's called an archetype. So anybody could look up uh, the work of Carl Jung on archetypes to see what this is. This is like something that is inherently known uh, to people unconsciously, but they may not pick up on it consciously. So that's what they do with this. They put this stuff out there in the entertainment to implant this idea into people's unconscious mind so that eventually it surfaces consciously and they learn to accept this stuff. And they do this slowly and gradually through time so that when these things come about uh, within the social structure, that people will accept them and be more willing to accept them. And uh, one of these things that we can see coming to fruition right now is this whole gender bending idea. This whole idea of the, you know, the hyper feminist and, you know, men are bad and uh, it's okay to be uh, whatever gender identity that you identify with. And, you know, there's like 170 different genders or whatever it is that they're pushing now as this. And it, it flies in the face of logic and it flies in the face of nature. But they've been slowly ingraining this idea in the entertainment for the past several decades in little tiny increments at a time so that it's culminating now here in 2019 where it's an anything goes kind of mentality and if you question it then you're a bigot and that's the way it is they they make it appear as if if you question any of this or say hey wait a minute that kind of doesn't make sense and uh there's really not that many people around that identify with that to begin with why are we pushing this so heavily and if you question that they call you oh well you're a bigot you're a homophobe you're this you're that and they they just shut you down that way and this has been done in a lot of different ways too for a lot of different things like uh, for instance the cia put out a document where what they would do in order to uh silence people who are questioning the JFK assassination, they coined the term conspiracy theorist. And 
That's what they call you, conspiracy theorist. And that automatically br brings, uh, you know, the idea to people's minds that this is a derogatory thing, that this person's just a, a dingbat and they're stupid and they believe all this false nonsense and stuff. Conspiracy theorist. The CIA is responsible for putting that in the popular lexicon, folks. And that's the same kind of thing going on with this whole bigot, homophobe, all these different words for anybody who questions what the narrative is that the, the mainstream media is pushing. So they, they use these terms in a derogatory way to try to silence you and make you look stupid or, you know, make you look like you're, you're just, you don't belong in our society because you're so closed-minded, blah, 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 blah. And they do this, uh, you know, as a form of attack. They attack people with this and they, they keep us divided. And that's what it is. It's the whole divide and conquer thing again. They keep us all separated on any different way that they could, they could keep us separated on any different issue. So that's what's going on with a lot of this. And it's they use these movies and this entertainment to push this stuff. And that's the thing. I mean, we really in here in America, our culture is nothing but entertainment based. We have no culture aside from that. No. It's all about all the, the cesspit that rolls out of Hollywood all the time. I mean, you, you talk to people, oh, did you watch Game of Thrones? Like, oh, did you see the football game? That This goes with sports, too, guys. I mean, this is not exclusive to just movies and, and things that uh, the nerdy types like, like the science fiction and stuff like we're discussing. We're just noticing that because they seem to be the ones that are, are starting to notice it more and question it. So uh, we wanted to kind of get on board with this and, and help people come to understanding what's the agenda behind this. So that's where we're at. And that's what we're trying to point out here. Right. So let's get, uh, let's get to the heavier stuff. Like why are they pushing this gender confusion and all that? Well, in my opinion, it's because they're trying to get everybody to not care about their individuality anymore. And to look at yourself as more of what really could be said to be an it. It's a transhumanist movement, but it's a Luciferian transhumanist movement. And Wayne, uh, you're welcome to correct me on anything I say here that you might think is incorrect. But what is the symbol of uh, Luciferianism and Satanism and all that? And that those things are separate, but they crisscross. And it's, of course, the Baphomet. And the Baphomet symbol is gender fluid. It's a hermaphrodite. Androgynous. Androgynous. Hermaphroditic. Yep, you can use multiple terms for this thing and it's not just human it's it's also a goat <laughs> it's also part animal yeah right so you're that's, really that's... really talking about a, a mishmash there so what are we getting at if they get everybody to be a complete fruitcake and no longer identify with themselves which is really what i do see going on especially with what they're doing to the younger kids which is just oh my god but we, we can get to that too you're going to be a lot more likely to accept the technology changing you because technology is not going to be a gender. Gender is uh, a human quality. Uh, sexuality is a human quality. Machinery, of course, doesn't have that. Computers don't have that. It don't, I mean, it can replicate certain aspects if you program it to do so, but generally speaking, no, it does not. And... I definitely see them pushing more and more and more into turning us into 
cyborgs, I think would be a safe thing to say. And a lot of people even suspect already that we are cyborgs in a sense, at least those of us who can't not walk around with their iPhones glued to their heads uh, or the, even the Internet and all that. So uh, let me take a moment to address this. A couple people have asked, I am Jason Lindgren. This is Wayne McCroy. This isn't the Crow 777 show. I'm not trying to be rude, but this is the Secrets of Saturn channel. This is something that Wayne and I are doing together. I had my own podcast called Secrets of Saturn before I started doing Crow 777, and I'm still the co-host on Crow 777, and I always will be. But this is our thing. So um, I know multiple people have been asking, where's Crow? Crow's not here. This isn't his thing. He doesn't want to do this. Uh, this is different topics than Crow likes to cover. So I hope I cleared that up. I'm sure a million people will keep asking, but I at least wanted to get that out there. But anyway, back to the point. So to get people to accept stepping away from humanity and into a technological envelope, what do you do? You dehumanize them. And that is what I see going on. I kind of rambled a whole bunch there, Wayne. So if you want to pick that up, because uh, you really outlined these things in your books. By the way, you should talk about them for a moment for anybody who's new to you. Uh, go ahead and take it from where I sat down there. Okay. Well, uh, just like you were saying, Jason, the, the thing is, it is. It's a form of dehumanizing people. Gender is a very important human trait. And to take away gender is to take away a large portion of what it means to be human. And that's what they're trying to do. This whole uh, transgender push that's going on right now is uh, basically a push towards something that's called post-genderism. And this is a real thing. Uh, people could look this up. It's called post-genderism. And uh, one source paper I tell people to look at for this is called Post-Genderism Beyond the Gender Binary. This spells it out in no uncertain terms. It even spells it out right in the first paragraph of the paper. Uh, it tells you how uh, the idea is to end the concept of gender. It's not to say that people won't be able to experience gender. It's that they'll be able to use technology to experience whatever type of gender that they want to, that it won't be a limiting factor for them anymore. And uh, a lot of the technocrats in control of things are pushing this as a good thing. And what this really is, is when you see the term post-genderism, this could be considered to be synonymous with what's called transhumanism, which is the big daddy of conspiracies going on right now in the world. This is the thing, the agenda that underlies everything going on in our society right now. Transhumanism. It's a real thing. There's people really pushing this. And it's all about trying to merge the human mind with artificial intelligence and become God. And this all has its roots way back in the ancient mystery schools uh, that the secret societies teach about. And all this stuff has been carried forward into today where they're using the technology now to try to achieve their ultimate goal of becoming, quote unquote, God. And that's what they want. And that's, that's what makes this a Luciferian agenda, because they want to usurp God and become God themselves. And they plan on using technology to do so. And they see this as being closer to fruition than ever before. Uh, for people not familiar with me, I'm an author who's written multiple books now. Uh, my first book is called The Alchemical Tech Revolution, Fulfilling Ancient Esoteric Agendas Through the Use of High Technology. And my most recent book is called The Autism Epidemic, Transhumanism's Dirty Little Secret. And that lays down a lot of uh, different disturbing facts about the autism epidemic and how it relates to this whole transhumanist push. And when I say transhumanism is the big daddy conspiracy underlying everything else going on in society right now, I mean it. 
this is it. This is the big agenda for everything. This underlies all the nonsense that goes on in government, all the nonsense you see in media, all the nonsense coming out of Hollywood, all of it. They plan on trying to replace our natural reality with a completely artificial system and tying the human mind to an artificial intelligence control grid. And you're talking about a level of uh, totalitarianism and a dystopian future so bleak that it, it just defies belief. So this is what they're looking to achieve with this. Now, technology is a tool just like anything else, and it could be used for good or bad. But the people that are running the show right now and controlling this stuff, they have a very nefarious purpose in mind for it, and they don't intend for those of us, the common public, uh, to be recipients of the good benefits of this. So that's what people need to keep in mind when looking at this stuff. And I know this seems like a far cry from talking about uh, the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, for some people, what is but it? <laughs> uh, it's it's really not. It's clearly outlined even in the story. Look what happens at the end. What was the saving grace of humanity? Iron Man, Iron Man. the biggest transhuman of all. He had, you know, he, he had used nanotechnology to alter his body in a way so that he could utilize these technologies just by using his thoughts. This is the ultimate form of transhumanism when you look at it. It's, it's being merged with the artificial intelligence, and now there's an artificial intelligence in the newest Spider-Man movie that with Tony Stark in there, and there's rumors that this will be uh, a regular thing going forward into Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's transcended his human form and become an artificial intelligence, been merged with an artificial intelligence. And this is the whole goal of transhumanism, to achieve immortality uh, and merge your mind with the artificial intelligence and become all-powerful and all-knowing. And this is, this is clearly marked out right in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, it's right written in their storyline. This was what saved the universe from being wiped out by Thanos, who was looking for a perfect balance in nature. By and eliminating it's kind half of, a of story. the population. This kind of sounds familiar too, doesn't it? Right. There's a whole <laughs> population reduction agenda that ties in with it. When I say transhumanism is the overarching agenda that is the underlying current for everything going on, I mean it. This is no exception. Eugenics, population reduction, all these things are really going on in society right now. And people are largely blind to it because they think, oh, our, our governments or these people in power wouldn't do that. Well, no, just because you wouldn't do that doesn't mean that somebody with a psychopathic bent wouldn't do that. Mm. And it's largely been displayed uh, by history, by the accepted history, that uh, psychopaths run the show, guys. And they think nothing of wiping populations out. In fact... They talk about it all the time, openly in in, in different policy papers. Uh, you could look up a, a document called the Hague Kissinger Depopulation Plan that talked about wiping out populations in third world countries back in the 1970s. This is Kissinger, real stuff huh? that goes on. These are policy Kissinger, yeah, <laughs> Mr. Kissinger, go figure, right? Uh, this is real stuff Dr. that goes Kissinger, on, and this you is something must get it right. <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Henry Kissinger. <laughs> Yes, but uh, yeah, I mean, 
there's there's real world stuff that goes along with this, and a lot of this is outlined in the storylines of the movies, first of all, and it's encoded esoterically all throughout the different movies. So this is what's going on, and this is the agenda behind it all. This is why they don't care if they're losing money, because this is where this leads. This is where the transgender push leads. Transgender is one step away from transhuman, and that's what it's all about. What do we do about this? I, I see somebody mentioning that in the chat room. What do we do? You have to be very selective about what you allow into your life and especially your children's lives and all that. Uh, it's tough, man, because, I mean, I'm 46 years old, but I've stayed with technology the whole time, and I'm very comfortable with it, but I also know what's good and what's bad about it. Now, one of the big differences between Crow and myself is he won't have anything to do with a smartphone. I personally love having a computer and the internet right at my fingertips in my pocket anytime I want it. But I try really hard to not stay glued to it the entire time. I use it as an information device as needed, but try and keep in mind that I don't need to be on this damn thing all the time. Unfortunately, a lot of people are on them all the time, and that's an issue. And how often do you go out to uh, eat at a restaurant and... Uh, you see everybody, especially the kids, buried in their devices instead of on the uh, instead of everybody being uh, in a conversation or something like that, like like you would have seen years ago. Like even when I was a kid, even if you don't have a lot to talk about, you know, if you put forth a little bit of effort, you have at least somewhat of a family thing, and you're certainly not buried in some piece of technology somewhere else, wishing you weren't even there with your mom and dad, kind of thing. It's not good. So use technology as a tool, but don't let that technology control your life is what I have to say. Uh, obviously, technology is great or else we wouldn't be doing what we're doing right now. I'm in Covington, Louisiana, and Wayne is in Knoxon, Pennsylvania. That's somewhere around 2,000 miles. I'm not exactly sure, but that's a big distance. And uh, look what we're doing. We're speaking to 111 people watching right now, according to that meter right there. And goodness knows how many people will watch this and listen to this as uh, the months go by. So, yeah, technology is great. You just have to use it appropriately. Right, and that goes back to the point, like I said, technology is a tool, like anything else. It could be used for good, and it could be used for bad. Our intention is to use it for good. Other people's intention is to use it for bad. And intent is the key to everything. And the people that are largely pushing the stuff all the stuff at the topmost tiers of society their intentions with it are not good not good for you and i so that's what we need to do we need to point this out to people make people aware first of all this stuff's really going on uh this is not conspiracy theory or conjecture or anything of the sort this stuff's going on for real it's not fiction i'm not making it up I'm not the one saying it. I can point you to source documents of policy think tank groups and everything else that tell you this is what's going on. Um, but uh, that's that's the thing. We need to raise awareness of it that it's going on because most people are walking around in a trance. And it's, it's like that on purpose. It's designed to be that way. Uh, your television screen, is the flicker rate is designed to put you in an alpha wave state, which is very much like a, a sleep state. Mm -hmm. So you're more susceptible to any suggestion. And same thing could be said for your cell phones, uh, your tablets, any of your devices, your computer, your television screen. The television is the greatest mind control tool ever created. 
that's that's what its intention was from the get go. It's not for the sake of entertainment or for passing information along. It's all about control because uh, what the people at the top of the the power structure do is that's what they're about. They're about control. They're a bunch of what's called cyberneticists, and cybernetics is the science of control. That's what it's all about. And Jason's breaking out the guitar. Well, Are we going to do some there's singing? There's a gentleman named G's Fun Song keeps asking me about my guitar. I have a pile of them sitting to my left, but I thought I'd just show you. This is my favorite guitar. This is the one I play the most. It's a vintage. I'm not sure of the exact year, uh, but it's an old Les Paul that uh, I had to have rebuilt. When I got it, it was just the body. And uh, I had to, it was all sanded down and pretty messed up. I had it totally re redone nicely by a professional woodworker, but much easier to show you than type all this out. There's my favorite Les Paul. This is the one that's on the Crow theme song and uh, what's all over my music and all that. This is I've had this thing since the 90s, and I've never played another one like it. So thought that would make it easier for you. And just to kind of add to what you're saying, Jason's always been a Les Paul guy for as long as I've known him, so... <laughs> I have a lot now. Now I have a, I have two Telecasters, a Strat. Uh, I have three Les Pauls, and a, uh, I have a 335 Epiphone. But I mod the hell out of all my stuff, too. Uh, I always tweak them from their factory stuff and, and put the best components uh, that, that please me the most so they, they are as efficient as possible. But anyway, I thought that would be a, a funny thing to do. Uh, I love music. It's my other passion, and uh, I really miss being in a band. I wish I could find some awake folks to play with. Because then I would take things to a whole other level. I've got all the gear. By the way, I'll just put this out there. If anybody's near enough to me and wants to work on stuff, I've got all the gear. I've got the songs. I am a lead singer. I am a songwriter. I've got a studio. I've got everything except awake folks to play with. So, hey, hit me And up. the only catch is you got it. The only catch with all that is you got to tune to 432 instead of 440. That's right. Everything is in 432. <laughs> yep. So. But yeah, even the music industry, the music we're brought up on, we, we've talked about this plenty of times. It, it's all created for social engineering purposes, all of it. Uh, when you look at uh, you know, how popular culture is created and steered, this is one of the main things they use is music. So uh, music's very important. Even soundtracks within movies are, play a big role in things, and there's there's something to be said. Uh, there's there's power behind sound. There's a definite power behind it. Oh yeah, and let me put in some, some uh, words behind that because we just recorded a show that's going to be this week's Crow Triple Sevens episode with a gentleman named Alex Michael, whose name his stage name is Computer uh, Computer uh, <laughs> Conspiracy <laughs> Music Guru. Where'd the computer come from? I'm getting infected with the transhumanism, baby. Uh, conspiracy That's what it is. Guru. Uh, he has his his very funny made up character named Flat Earth Man, but he just put out an amazing, fantastic album called True Solfagio, and you're gonna hear some of it on this week's episode. But he did such an incredible job. So the way he did it was, it's A is tuned to 432 hertz as it should be, and then each of the uh, seven tracks, which are each seven minutes long, uses three of the solfagio healing frequencies, and then it's almost like Pink Floyd-y playing kind of a thing over that, and each song kind of has a different uh, feel and approach to it, 
but it is absolutely amazing. And uh, go check out his music, man, and support him if you're so inclined because I love what Alex does. So it's Conspiracy Music Guru. You can hear some of it for free on uh, on the um, his YouTube channel, Conspiracy Music Guru. And then he's also got a CD Baby link and all that. But, man, his music is fabulous. As a matter of fact, I, I have a little promo I could probably figure out how to play here if you guys want to hear it in the last time we got left here. Well, if you can find it, I mean, uh, you know, if the folks are interested in that sort of thing, I mean, it sure couldn't hurt. But we've kind of meandered a little from from thing to thing here, and that's that's something that you know we'll kind of do because we we talk a lot. Well, uh, this you know, is what's even different about we, this. It's um, it's different doing it live. It's a little more free form. But yeah. I like this. I'm usually like when I'm doing. The Crow stuff, especially, I'm like in super voiceover mode where I'm like, all right, Crow, now let's get on to the next topic, you know, that kind of thing. And here I'm just trying to be uh, just a little more relaxed in myself. And I like the fact that we've got a, a live audience going back and forth here. This is great. I wasn't even expecting people to be uh, to be really be here that much. So that's great that they are. But let me find. It's only four minutes long. So if I can find this real quick, I wasn't planning on doing this. So obviously I didn't have it ready. But that's the beauty of live radio slash live streams. You're just kind of doing stuff on yep. the fly. Medium. Yep, sir. And I'd like to say thank you again to everybody who's still tuned in and bearing with us on this uh, maiden voyage of the, the good ship Secrets of Saturn. So uh, <laughs> here we go. Secrets of Saturn live. Okay, I found so. this. Now, I haven't figured out how to make this come back on my end. So, so let's try this. Boom, properties, browse. This is interesting. Okay, so we can do that, do that. All right, let's see if it takes it. Hopefully it does. So what this is, this is a little bit of a um, a promo I cut that didn't actually get used officially yet. I just sent it to some people to help Alex's music get out there. But it's um, part of a video he had that I narrated. So check this out, folks. Hopefully this works. Cause disease. There's a lot of and disease in the world today. Thankfully, frequency can also heal. Enter the Solfagio Healing Frequencies. YouTube, do we have any music out there? You are hearing three tones. There's a little bit of a lag between real time and... 192 hertz. 384 hertz. 768 hertz. All right, someone said that These are healing solfagio frequencies. Right. That's good. Unfortunately, I don't know all the routing options. They correspond so far, so to the throat or Vishuddha chakra. Okay. So new new studio. Now listen as the tones are blended with music. I got to figure out how to get the
So anyway, I'm going to shut up for a moment. Let's listen to sure which track you're playing to be honest so healing frequencies are now barely noticeable and are embedded into the track. This is music that is literally good for you. Using the base frequency of 432 hertz. Alex made this track. In fact, he made seven healing instrumental tracks. Each healing track is seven minutes using all of the true solfagio healing frequencies. This is true solfagio. And bear with us, give us. True Solfagio, the new album, from Conspiracy Music Guru. An album of chilled guitar instrumentals, using ancient Solfagio healing frequencies. Bad frequencies cause disease. Yeah, he's a damn good musician. There's a lot of disease in the world today. <laughs> Thankfully, frequency can also heal. Enter the Solfagio healing frequencies. Still got the you are hearing point. three tones. Yeah. 192 hertz. 384 hertz, 768 hertz. Yeah, it does sound very pink. These are healing solfagio frequencies. They correspond to the throat or vishuddha chakra. All right, all right, so we're good. All right, hopefully everybody got to hear the whole thing. I uh really couldn't tell what was exactly what was going on still figuring this nonsense out but onward we go so yeah uh there's his link if anybody wants to support him there you go and the whole point is that it's, it's true sophagio meaning that these are frequencies that are actually working in harmony with the universe and yourself and they're supposed to make you feel good uh it's kind of the idea i did even with my own music with the little ep i did a few years ago i had everything tuned to 432 and i had the notion later on to start putting sophagio frequencies in there 
Uh, don't know if I'll be able to figure that out as well as Alex did, but I'm going to give it a shot with any music I release in the future and see if I can mix it into the background. But anyway, I really enjoyed doing that little voiceover for him. I thought it uh, complimented the way he did the video. So hopefully folks like it. And that'll be coming up this week on Crow Triple Seven Radio, episode number 189. We're down to about nine minutes here, Wayne. So... Oh, uh, people are asking your your channel. Do you have a YouTube channel that you you use that you want me to give everybody? Uh, yeah, I have a, a YouTube channel that's called Alchemical Tech Revolution. Uh, people could look it up uh, if they would like. Oh, I haven't really posted anything on it. You don't use it that much. Haven't do posted you? anything. No, I haven't used it in a long time. Uh, basically, because uh, you know I'm. It, it's hard for me to find time to. Uh, devote the time to putting something on YouTube per se. Uh, I do intend to try and make more of a, a use of it as a tool uh, in the near future, but I, I have started uh, working on my third book now, so that's been eating up a lot of my time as well. So uh, that should be coming out sometime uh, 2020, coming up. So, so people could look forward to that one. Yeah, I put the links to your books in there. Um, why don't we take a moment and just, uh, I think everybody has a general idea who I am since I've been doing this stuff for quite a while. Obviously, if you don't, my name is Jason Lindgren. This is the Secrets of Saturn channel. I started this to do my own podcast a few years ago before I hooked up with Crow Triple Seven, and I decided I wanted to get back to doing solo podcasts and take advantage of this platform while we still have it, because goodness only knows how these people are. We might get the Night of the Long Knives ourselves tomorrow when we wake up. So... I wanted to get back to doing more solo podcasts for any topics that Crow wasn't particularly interested in, and tearing apart the agenda is something Crow wasn't particularly interested in. His his basic stance on this is we know what these things are for. Uh, we don't need to, to go any further. And he's totally right, but the problem is so many people hold these things near and dear and might be thinking – this is funny. A lot of people get like this. They might be thinking like, oh, I know that that happens, but it's not with so-and-so or it's not in this. And it's like if it's super mainstream – I'm sorry it's being affected in some way, shape, or form. I've come to accept this. I mean, it just is what it is, you know? So, the last part of what? I'm not sure what you're talking about there. Um, anyway, so, yeah, I'm I'm Jason Lindgren. We're going to keep doing these weekly podcasts. Uh, of course, I am the co-host on Crow 777 Radio, uh, crow777radio.com, plus Crow's uh, telescope work and all that is on his YouTube channel, Crow Triple Seven, C R R O W Seven Seven Seven. If anybody isn't aware, um, I'm going to keep putting out content as I have time for Secrets of Saturn. I have one already in mind with the Great Baldini that we have already discussed on language, and I have already booked Mark Devlin for next month. We are going to do the social engineering of the James Bond series, something that he's really into, and uh, we we discussed that today. So that's that. Um, we, we didn't mean to change topic per se. We, we definitely tried to keep tying it back to the Marvel Universe. There's a lot of agenda written into the MCU, and, and that's that's basically what we were getting at. Uh, we did go off on a little bit of a tangent. Sorry, we're not used to doing two-hour live streams on our <laughs> own. We're, we'll get the hang of this. Um, there's transhumanism written all through the MCU. More recently, there's a ton of this nasty fourth-wave feminism written into the MCU. They wiped out a lot of the older masculine characters that uh, are like your, your good old boys from years gone by that you're not going to see anymore. Um, that's what's going on with the MCU. And we'll see what happens. Uh, now, they still have Benedict Cumberbatch, whose character is um, 
he's I guess you'd say a pretty masculine guy too. So we'll see what they do to him. They'll probably inject some kind of nasty secondary creature on him. It wouldn't surprise me, but uh, I've only got a few minutes left here. I don't want to ramble. Wayne, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you if they like your information and how can they not? You're fantastic. Well, thank you for that. Uh, if people want to get in touch with me, I could be reached at alchemicaltechrevolution at gmail.com. Uh, my books are available on Amazon or at any other fine book retailer. Uh, my first book is called The Alchemical Tech Revolution, Fulfilling Ancient Esoteric Agendas Through the Use of High Technology. My most recent book is called The Autism Epidemic, Transhumanism's Dirty Little Secret. And uh, I could also be uh, found at my uh, Facebook page, which is called Files from the Conspiratorium, if people wanted to get in touch with me there, uh, that's a viable option too, although I am currently locked out of it. I could still answer under my own name, Wayne McCroy, rather than as Files from the Conspiratorium. But uh, since I started reaching a larger audience, they've locked me out of it, and I can't seem to get back in it and use it again. So uh, it just goes to show how the censorship rears its ugly head. Uh, also, I do have a, a small YouTube channel called uh, Chemical Tech Revolution. If people want to check out, I only have a handful of videos or something posted on there. Uh, I haven't really put any original content on there. But it's there, and I just have it kind of uh, waiting in the wings for future use when I decide to do it. I'm currently working on my third book right now. Uh, look for a release date for that sometime in 2020. If people are interested in my work, uh, they could check that one out too when it comes becomes available. So uh, other than that, I'll be right here on Secrets of Saturn with Jason every Wednesday night from 9 to 11 Eastern Time. And I'm also a frequent contributor and guest on Crow 777 Radio too. So uh, yep. people could reach me at all those different platforms. And there's a couple episode ideas I've actually thrown at Wayne that he might be involved with uh, coming up on Crow 777. Uh, the two we've spoken about most recently is the climate change agenda and how that's been steered over the years and uh, the social engineering aspects behind that. And the other one is this whole push with plant-based foods and what's going on there. That's a interesting subject. In and that's itself. an interesting topic too. It yep. is. And I hope there's enough material there to make a killer two-hour show out of so um, that's that. By the way, if anybody isn't aware, uh, we did a, a documentary film that has now won four awards from film festivals. I'm very proud of that because I didn't expect to get any recognition whatsoever. So that's nice. Uh, that is a, called Shoot the Moon, and it's the story of Crow, Crow 777, and uh, his telescope work and all that. And uh, that is available on Vimeo On Demand. It's $7, and you get to rent it for the week uh, for that. And we've done pretty well on that, too, thank goodness, because when you're paying for everything yourself, uh, your savings goes bye-bye really, really quick. Yeah, that's definitely the truth. Uh, Jason also did a, a recent appearance at the Flat Earth International Conference. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that's <laughs> – yeah, don't forget about that, Jason. Plug your work there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, if you want to see my presentation, it was the first time I ever gave a live presentation before Big Audience like that uh, that was so, uh, completely on my own. That was interesting. Uh, that is available. Uh, just look up Jason Lindgren, L-I-N-D-G-R-E-N, uh, F-E-2019. That'll come up in the playlist. They put the official version up now, which is great. And by the way, we are also looking to do more conference-type things. Uh, we did one in New York on October 20th that we sold out really quick, and Wayne was part of that. Uh, we had some technical difficulties, unfortunately, that really frustrated us but the conference itself went off really well as far as the people in person everybody loved it and they'd like to see uh, more things like that going on so 
Billy Ray Valentine and I have already discussed. He wants to do two more, in fact, either New York again or possibly Philadelphia. But the other one that we've talked about doing, and this was actually, he brought this up to me, is here in New Orleans. Uh, I'm, I live on the North Shore of or New Orleans. So if we did something here, I would have easy access to anything I would ever need to, to make this thing happen. So I really would love to do that. What I'd like to know is how many people would come to something if it was in the New Orleans area. So if people want to get to me at secretsofsaturn at gmail.com, we need to know if people would actually show up and in what numbers. Uh, one of the things I had an idea was the Zeitgeist Theater where I did the, the first showing for Shoot the Moon is a pretty nifty place. They have a 125 seat capacity. That might be an option if the gentleman who runs the place would be willing. So we have to see what a price would be, but I, I remember his prices being very reasonable uh, from when I had spoken to him last. They also have a lounge out front that serves drinks and things like that, so you can come and go out of, out of the theater room and, and chill if you want to. I think that would be a, a killer place to do it unless we had so much interest that it would be uh, too much for a 125 capacity place. Uh, but I have all the gear. I have the screen. I have the projector. I have a really nice Bose system. I have really nice mics. I have everything to make these things happen. So if people want us to do conferences and wouldn't mind paying $30, $40, $50, depending upon the venue, to go and see a couple of speakers, and if they want us to show the film again, I would be happy to do that as well because that doesn't cost me anything. I just bring it with me on a flash drive. Let us know. So secretsofsaturn at gmail.com. I know my friend Billy Ray Valentine definitely wants to be involved with more of these. All right. Well, I don't see any more questions in the, uh, the chat right at the moment. So let's just uh, wrap it all up with uh, – you know, just a, one big picture of, of the overall agenda and uh, how it plays out in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, let's look to the movie Endgame, okay? There's one scene towards the end of the movie where uh, it's all the women line up to take out the big yes. bad Thanos. Yes. Yep. And they, they really start severely kicking his butt in a big way all by themselves without the help of the men, especially uh, Scarlet Witch. She starts kicking the crap out of Thanos yeah. and almost kills him all by herself all with by no herself. help from a man. Yep. So uh, this, this once again brings into play the whole hyper-feminist uh, movement along with it and the, the whole men are bad thing. And, you know, this, this is just a, a good picture of what we're looking at going forward. I really don't think they're going to drop the whole uh, agenda-driven thing in Phase 4 of the MCU. So I'm waiting to see what happens with the new uh, Scarlet, or, yeah, <laughs> Black Widow movie. So we'll see. And they, they have a bunch of different things in development at Disney Plus uh, for different television shows and, and stuff like that that they're going to do with the MCU. So we'll see uh, where they steer the agenda with that. But uh, remember, folks, the, the bottom line the agenda behind all of it is something called transhumanism. Look up transhumanism. Get familiar with it. You're going to see more of it in the real world in the very near future. Two terms that you definitely want to be familiar with if you're going to tune in to our weekly live streams. Yes, we're going to be doing two-hour weekly live streams every Wednesday on the Secrets of Saturn channel. Wednesday nights, 9 to 11 Eastern, which for me is 8 to 10 Central. We're going to make this a regular thing unless people don't give a hoot anymore. It looks like people have actually been dropping off. We're only down to 86 now. And, yeah, we're going to be talking about a lot of these things. And it's not just going to be about intellectual properties and all that. But we're, we're tearing into those because the new Star Wars movie is coming out in, like, three weeks or something like that. And uh, 
I think they're going to have some issues with it. They have done a lot to destroy their fan base, you know, basically to piss in their faces and allowed their dipshit directors like Ryan Johnson to shoot his mouth off. And that was a really bad idea because, well, they boycotted Solo. And I think they're doing a bit of backpedaling on that now uh, because you see the show The Mandalorian that came out is a lot more Star Wars-y feeling. It's, it's got a lot less agenda in there. I see it a little bit, but nowhere near the insanity that's been going on in this crap Disney pre uh, sequel so anyway yes tune in every wednesday here at secrets of saturn um i we keep getting asked about something called the dogman sightings i have never heard of that i do apologize wayne do you know what that is uh no not real familiar with that either hmm. yeah sorry i don't have anything to say about that now i'll take a look and see what it is um I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Sorry about that, man. Yeah. Um, we'll look into it, though. If, if it's something we can discuss, we can definitely bring it up next week. I really hope everybody enjoyed this. Obviously, this is way more laid back than anything we ever do, and that was half the point of it. I don't have time to edit another two-hour show and make it all super perfect and all that, so we thought we'd do something a lot more lighthearted with the video cameras on and just you get to see me sitting here sipping coffee and smiling at all you wonderful people and Wayne. And just being chill about it and just having a, two good friends having a great conversation and you're joining in. That's the, what we wanted to do here. So burps, farts, warts, and all, that's what you're getting here on this live stream. Uh, it's just going to go up as is. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, and, it's a good uh, time. Yeah, and, and I had a great time doing it. I mean, I was super comfortable. The two hours have flown by. Thank you so much to everybody who was here. And I guess, I guess nobody's interested anymore because I see the numbers dropping fast. So I guess we are going to sign off. Thank you so much, everybody, for being here. Wayne, I love you, man. Glad you're here with me doing this. And uh, we'll see everybody next week. Good night, everyone. Good night.